ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Babylon is falling down, falling down, falling down. Babylon is falling down all day long. Babylon is falling down. The Babylons of society are falling right down. Hopefully. Jesus, I think we need a complete remapping of human civilization right now on the planet. But anyway, this week on the podcast is a conversation that definitely highlights that we do need a, a new rapping or a new mapping or a new rapping of the whole world, <laughs> for sure. Um, this is a podcast that I did in... Um, in Derby with Jamie Icke and if you don't know who Jamie Icke is Jamie Icke is the founder of Iconic Media Group which is an alternative media channel that produces films and uh, series and podcasts and much more stuff as well all all um, not censored which is really cool that the, these platforms and websites are now popping up all over the place but I definitely do feel that we need to find a platform that can bring all different um, podcasters and all different people who are doing documentaries and people who are doing videos of all kinds together but at the moment of this it's so cool that people like jamie is starting platforms like iconic media in my opinion but he's if you don't know who jamie is he's also the son of david ike who's also been on the podcast i'm sure you guys know who david ike is but this is a really cool one and the reason why i wanted to get jamie on is because he's somebody who's definitely his whole life has been immersed being the son of david ike being immersed in the conversation of conspiracies and someone who has been thinking outside of the box and has been has grew up in a, in a in a world probably is a lot different to a lot of us who who have had to sort of find this information in a in different ways through maybe not our parents but looking outside from a perspective of speaking to our friends or looking getting reached uh, looking into getting um, links sent by our friends to us to check out or going on YouTube down the rabbit hole and sort of finding links and find um, coming across new information that expands our mind. But Jimmy is somebody who is similar age of me. He's also been very vocal over the last couple of um, weeks and months in regards to um, the pandemic. I'm going to call it, um, in my opinion. But I know you guys are probably... I mean, it, it, like I said a while ago, it wasn't my plan to keep talking about COVID, but it, it's something that we just kind of get away from. And we really are, as a species, it's something that we are embedded within. We're all in the conspiracy. We're not outside of it. We're all within it. And these implications that are being put up, put within the human civilization right now are really are affecting us all from an economical, from a spiritual, from a psychological perspective. And I really feel that is vital, in my opinion, to highlight some of the things that, in my opinion, that are really are going against our um, natural human nature and really could affect our human evolution in the future not only just for us now but our kids in the future in my opinion so that's why i am really vocal because i feel like there's so much wrong with what is going on in the world now and it really in my opinion it really 
is attacking a lot of the work that I've been speaking about for many weeks and months and years on this podcast and things that I've been trying to self-correct in my own life and then show you guys how you can self-correct them systems from health, from psychological things to spirituality and consciousness to even to ancient history, all the things that we've been um we all we've all sort of been manipulated to and and had to, and had to sort of have to sort of navigate that realm as we sort of expand our consciousness. So that is why I just want to give you a brief understanding. That is why I really am hitting home still on the COVID topic because we just can't get away from it. It's right in our face. And if this was a video game right now, I, I do definitely feel that we would all be immersed right in the video game now. The most challenging time on the period where we can definitely see that human civilization is at this great pivotal point where civilization can go one way, in my opinion, or it can grow and blossom in another way. So it's interesting times to say the least. This podcast, as you know, is a commentary of the world. It's a commentary of things that I go through and experience in my life from spirituality and stuff. And what more interesting thing than COVID right now is is to comment co- to commentate on because it is there is a lot of madness with it. And in my opinion, there's also a lot of things that we a point in civilization where we can really um, move forward as a civilization and completely um, wipe the floor and. And basically overturn the old shitty paradigm that has been um, overruling a lot of people on the planet. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jamie Ike. It really is a cool one. Have some other cool conversations coming up in the next couple of weeks. Also as well, give you guys a bit of a heads up on the van that I'm working on. I, I'm, that's right, I'm working on a on a van to escape Babylon. <laughs> it's the only way out. <laughs> but seriously, I but seriously, guys, I'm actually working on a van. Like I'm really looking forward. It's such a um, it's really it's really cool to um to get hands on with something that you actually can put your energy into and see the see the progress and something that is going to be my own as well, which is really cool. I think we're all trying to work towards that in our lives. We all want to put our energy as you become a creative and you become more conscious. You want to put you want to start creating things in the world where you can put more energy into that are are yours and not sort of putting energy into things that aren't yours. I think we're all trying to head towards that. But anyway, like I said, I'm, cr- I'm doing out a little little van to escape Babylon <laughs> of what is coming because the winter and the storm is definitely here and it's definitely still coming. But anyway, enjoy this podcast. If you can, check out the one-off donation option and the Patreon page. really goes such a long way to help me to keep doing this podcast. And let's see how long I can keep this platform going because censorship, as you know, guys, is really... It really is on the rise at the moment. But if you can, like I said, the best way to support the podcast is through Patreon and the one-off donation option. Enough of my rambling. Enjoy this podcast with Jamie. Bo bo boom. Even if you want, I was gonna. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say probably to the, the, the. I know we've been talking loads off the podcast and stuff, so yeah. to try and make these rolling naturally. It's quite a quite a hard thing. Yeah, it can. But be. I wanted to just ask you the the question: How are you? Because it's clear to see what's going on in the world now. It's hard to get away from the discussion of sort of COVID and yeah. the sort of I'm gonna call it the I'm gonna use the word pandemic. But it's kind of hard to get away from this whole talk and conversation because, you know, w- once upon a time when people speak about many different conspiracies and things like that a lot of the time as a as a people were sort of on the outside of it but yep. with covid we're very much embedded within within it and i was just going to ask you the question how are you sort of 
in your own personal life, how are you sort of dealing with the sort of the Orwellian state that's moving <laughs> forward now? It's a struggle. It's a struggle. I think when you say about conspiracies, I think the reason we've possibly been on the outside of them is because they've not affected everybody. Mm. You look at something like 9-11, all those sorts of things, they haven't affected everybody, they've affected a few people, whereas this affects everyone. Whether you believe in it, whether you don't believe in it, whether you're a conspiracy theorist, whether you're not, your life's been affected by this. So I think that's been really important in terms of helping this kind of a little bit of questioning that we're seeing now because it affects everyone and generally people only care about things that negatively impact them. So for me, it's been quite tough. I had a little boy in May, obviously mid-lockdown. That was quite weird, being in hospital, surrounded by staff in masks. You're meant to be probably the happiest day of your life. And your only kind of, I suppose, your only scope for how everything's going is someone's facial expressions. And all you can see is their eyes. You, you know, if you get freaked out, there's so many people came in the room at the end and you're thinking something's going wrong and they're like, no, everything's fine. But you've not got that kind of reassurance. So that um, that was weird. Um, but then on the other hand, actually ha- being, having the opportunity to be around him a lot more than I probably would have been, because I generally travel quite a bit. So the fact that was kind of put to a halt, I got to spend a lot more time around him, so that was quite nice. But then now it's now it's difficult because everyone just wants to get on with it, and if you've just gone into another lockdown here, and you just want to kind of get on with your life, and you can't you can't go outside without being affected by this. Every time you go into a shop, you see people in masks, and when you're like us and you don't believe that's the right thing to do, and you question it, you find it frustrating. You could, you know, some places you can't go and buy a loaf of bread without being questioned. Why not wearing a mask? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not doing that? It's just made everything a lot more stressful. Um, and I think I'm quite lucky in the sense of I'm quite not a confrontational person, but I don't mind a confrontation. If someone wants to have a go at me, I'll stand up for myself. But I think for a lot of the people that don't want that, that just do things for a quiet life, they probably are wearing masks when they don't want to. Or they're they're scared to go into a shop, or they're not going out at all because they don't want to be questioned. So I think that's it's a lot. T- other people got a lot tougher than I have. I think business-wise, we've not really been affected. Still been able to carry on working. I'm quite lucky that most people in my team are on the same page, so they're not that bothered. You know, we don't do social distancing. We just get on with it. So in this office, as you've probably seen, it's pretty normal. You wouldn't necessarily know anything's going on. Yeah, definitely. And that's really nice. So having that, and then obviously I go home, my wife's on the same page. It's just a little bit in between. Yeah, no, <laughs> That's quite tough. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been, it's tough. It's been very tough because when you spent, as I have, most of your life around alternative information, kind of, I said this to someone the other day, it kind of feels like, you know, you stood on the train track of a train coming and you're telling people, look, there's a train down there. If you stay where you are, it's going to hit you eventually. Yeah. Nah, it's fine. And it's literally in people's faces now and they're still not moving. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it feels. So it's a little bit disheartening sometimes when you go out and you see people wearing masks, see people living in fear and not at least questioning what's happening. Mm-hmm. It can be a little bit disheartening when you've spent your whole life around that, trying to warn people. Um, so, yeah, it's a difficult one, really. It's kind of it's kind of hard to navigate that because I feel I felt that own dynamic within inside of myself because I feel like, you know, you do want to help people, you know, and yeah. and I know that people can use the argument that that maybe it's just because you know you you have one perspective on life and they have another perspective on life, so they don't even see that reality where you're trying to trying to help them. But it's like a quite a it's quite a fine balance because me and you are very similar people who listen to this and watch this podcast are on that same train where they can they can see what's coming you know they can they can yeah. get a feel of the, you. I mean like I said before we're in the conspiracy now it's not a case of where nothing's in plain sight you're walking around people's got masks on and from that position it's quite hard to, to navigate that and you said before like um, about how you're not you're not scared of confrontation one of the thoughts that I've had is I kind of feel like there is a the people who who aren't um, scared of confrontation are, are the ones who have developed themselves 
like throughout their lives in a way where they can they can be in a situation like that and know who they truly are and then yeah. not be scared to be confronted by any sort of energy or think any anything like that. And I kind of feel like there's a there's been like sort of a, a demasculation of that within yeah, in the Monday world. Do you, do you feel that in your yeah, life? Yeah, it has been massively. I think they've well the phrase toxic masculinity has mm-hmm. been chucked around for a long time yeah, where definitely. that kind of attitude I think there is obviously that exists in a negative impact there's people that are, there's, there has been through history men that are quite suppressive of women and so on that's that's not good but I think tox, tox, toxic masculinity sorry in a sense is that kind of backbone of standing up for what's right um, standing up for what you believe in despite somebody not agreeing with you and I think what you said about not being afraid of a confrontation, I think when you're sure of who you are, you're sure of what you believe, you're not necessarily afraid to defend it. You might not necessarily want to defend it every time you go and get a pint of milk, but you're not afraid to. You're not afraid that somebody giving you a wrong look or somebody being like, you're selfish because you're not wearing a mask, that's not going to really bother you. It might be a bit annoying, but you're not going to question your character because of that. But when you're quite uneasy of yourself, which I think most people probably are, um, especially at the moment, I think most people are very uneasy about themselves and about how they should be behaving. I think you are going to probably go and toe the party line. You're probably going to do what you think is going to cause less confrontation. So that'll be wearing a mask, that'll be socially distancing, that'll be not seeing your friends. Um, and I think that's really sad because I think that actually damages your soul a lot more than doing what you believe to be right. Even if you do what you believe to be right and it's wrong, your integrity is secure because you've done what you believe to be right at the moment. But I think when you're doing something you know isn't right, I think that's really, really tough. And I think the fact that they've tried to demasculate men and women for the last probably decade is no accident because they knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. And by this point, people, they want people in that state of servitude where they're too afraid to stand up, too afraid to say, no, that's not good enough, I don't accept that. And what I always say is, I've had it put in my face more this year because of having a, having a little boy, is if you're not going to fight for your own future, fight for theirs. Because... You know, we're both young. We, if they if they get what they want, we're going to live most of our lives in this. So what are our kids going to live in? They're going to live their whole lives in this. So, you know, if you're not going to stand up for yourself, stand up for stand up for people that can't stand up for themselves because they're not they're too little. Yeah, definitely. What what's your perspective on on the implications of the children? Because a lot of people, you know, we live in a culture where we're always um we're always we're only looking at what's in front of us right now. Like for example, the yeah. majority of people listen to this now. Well, not majority of people listen to this. Are they not believing this? But I'm just saying in general, like general public who are wearing the masks. Not all of them, but you know what we're seeing from the media anyway is that there is a deadly virus, and you and you've only you're only looking at what's in front of you right now. Yeah. But like obviously the likes of me and you and the likes of other people, like you said, you've got kids. You're actually your perspective is not just only thinking on what's in front of you. You're looking at the bigger picture of how is this going to affect um, kids in the future. Yeah. But how do you fe- feel that dynamic could play out? because I don't think a lot of people are looking at that how it's going to affect the children no I don't think they are and I think there's various ways you can look at it you look at the you know if we're not going into too deep of a conspiracy you look at it economically what are they going to have in terms of a future to grow up in where, what, where are they going to work what jobs are they going to be able to do because there's no the economy is being destroyed completely destroyed that's just one level of it the next thing is you know having masks in schools having kids grow up with that attitude socially distanced and so on they're going to grow up through their formative years thinking that's normal. So to us, when you hear the new normal, we know it's not because we've spent most of our lives not living like this. Mm. Whereas when they're, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, growing up through that those years where they're developing, they're learning about social interaction, they're learning about making relationships, making friends and so on, they're going to grow up thinking that is normal because they're going to know nothing different. So I think if we don't do anything, we, we set a really dangerous precedent, really dangerous precedent, because you're going to actually try and having to try to explain to them that the world isn't normal. It hasn't always been like this, but they're going to know nothing different. And they're probably, and we've seen this through history, they'll probably actively fight to 
keep it how it is that they've known. In the same way we're trying to fight to say actually this isn't the new normal and we've got to make sure it doesn't become that. To them it will be the new normal. It will just be normal. So I think that's where that's the long-term implications and I think that's why they're really attacking the kids in so many different areas. They're attacking them psychologically with this, attacked them for years with food additives and the crap in the food, vaccinations and so many negative things that really impact the kids. And then they're the adults of tomorrow thinking that this is just how it is and that's why we've got to make sure they don't get that tomorrow because we know it ain't normal. You know, yeah, definitely. It's interesting because, I mean, what, one of the big dynamics that I've seen playing out, which is, is crazy, when you when you, when you understand what the the true meaning of what health is, and you look at the you know the schooling system where they've got like the the rendering a system where like it's where kids are basically social distancing from one yeah. one another, and how that's a not just from a health perspective, understanding how you know how we we have um you know our biological bodies are, are interacting with them with the world around us and taking in data from from biological perspective and also from a mind perspective yeah. and how that affects you in your life and then also just dramatically sort of cutting that off in the human experience is like how is that affecting your psychology your biological health but then to go even further what are the implications of from a psychological perspective when kids are, are, are you know for example there was a, um, a story i heard where a kid was in the playground and he, he, the kid ran near the uh, ran near the other parent and the other kid instantly jumped in and said oh you can't go near my mum something like that you know yeah. so it's like well it seems like there's a rendering of, of the, with the social um, distance and I want to ask your thoughts on that what's your thoughts around how what's the implications of that on a society as a whole I think it's massive and I think on the kids in general you've seen the last sort of decade with smart technology they've gradually been going apart from each other anyway mm-hmm. spend a lot more time on the phone than around each other and all this has done is just fueled that even more because generally now the only way to communicate with your friends is through technology you know you've got people elderly people that probably didn't use technology mm-hmm. that, and are now because it's the only way to stay in touch with people so that's all driving people apart it's all driving people apart you look at the lockdown they've just brought in here it's a social lockdown so all the places where people would meet pubs restaurants theatres football stadiums all those sorts of things where people meet and engage in conversation about you know this is not this isn't right what's going on is it it doesn't make sense to you they're all now through technology and when you're on facebook when you're on twitter you generally only see the kind of things that people around you believe you're not getting challenged you're not seeing alternative opinions and alternative views and i'm sure we'll get into the censorship angle but unless you're actively looking for alternative information to what you're hearing you're not going to see any so i think the socially distance is one massively going to hugely impact people that are um, suffer from mental health anyway because generally you know being around people is what can can counteract that i mean can you imagine being young and single now for example how are you meeting somebody um can you imagine being old and single now or old and not having many friends or 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 having friends that you can't see or not being able to see your grandkids grow up not be able to see your you know your kids not be able to see anyone it's just all going to fuel mental health issues in people that will cause a lot more damage than some pathetic virus that they've never actually proven exists. It was even already qu- kind of bad before the even virus. Anyway, you know, yeah. them, all them dynamics, what you expressed there, they were already sort of bubbling at the surface. Yeah. But now they've been cut off in a way where it's, it's in everyone's face. Yeah. When you said before about the, um, you, you talked touch like touch on the football stadium aspect of how you know venues are closed, music events, things like that. I kind of feel like in society anyway we don't have them them you know them initiations for men for younger men to to filter because you know in your life you know um we're both men and and um as you as a young man you come through there there is a lot of like um you know there's a lot of energy that you need to sort of release yeah, as a man is. and we already don't have them correct initiations but then in a way football stadiums and things do 
whether you can agree with them agree with them sort of things or not they do in a way they do function as a purpose to to help men young men have that initiation where they can they can feed sort of that masculine dominant energy yeah and with that sort of out of the picture now you know it's there's no coincidence that because no one's talking about all the the suicide rates now and the depression yeah. and things like that that's on the rise while COVID's supposed to be the biggest killer yeah yeah absolutely absolutely football is well in this country alone is probably the biggest social interaction a lot of young men have it's a massive thing the football in this country it's almost like a national what well, is a national tradition mm-hmm. biggest football league in the world biggest crowds in the world and how many how many young kids grow up in this country wanting to be footballers so many probably a massive yeah. percentage I did when I was yeah young. same and the fact that that's all gone now not just the stadium aspect but break it down to you know kids under eights playing football on a Sunday morning that's gone now mm-hmm. all that development all those that building relationships that building friendships you know working together as a team all those skills that you don't learn at school you you learn by doing it mm. they're all gone and I think it's really really sad and you're going to see a lot of people that miss you know the footballers themselves you're going to p- see people in the primes of their careers that don't get to see have crowds and audiences you know to be able to showcase that I mean there was a early in the lockdown when they restarted the football there was a young lad made his debut Everton Everton fan 16 dreamt of making his debut he's made it in front of no one he dreamt of making it in front of 40,000 would have been probably been dreaming about that since he was 10 years old mm. and um, you're going to see all those sort of things and yeah the lack of energy you're going to see that probably turn into crime and things like that I mean I got, I've, in my village just since the lockdown the amount of kids knocking about clearly bored nothing to do it's just it's grown so much in the last three or four months so you're going to see probably a forgotten generation mm-hmm. that don't know how to build relationships don't know how to get their anger out don't know how to get their energy out as you've said and they're probably going to go down a dark road I'd have thought yeah definitely when you, when you sp- slightly brought up before censorship I wanted to see your thoughts on that because I know that you've come under pressure with that as yeah. well um, my po- some of my podcasts have been took down but this is, seems to be like a global agenda where information yeah. is being taken down yeah massively and I think the last probably five six years there's been a war really on anything alternative and looking back now with what's happened this year you probably say that's not an accident they probably tried to get as much of that out of circulation before this as possible mm-hmm. so that you know people get less alternative views on this um, but my, my attitude towards information has always been how can information be dangerous it's what you do with it same with a gun a gun's not dangerous it's someone pulling the trigger that's the leader you know that that doesn't kill someone if they don't if they, if they haven't got a gun to kill someone they'll find something else it's that sort of principle so information can't be dangerous and hearing alternative views to yours or alternative views to what you think shouldn't be dangerous it should challenge you and if you if you're if you can do that and still believe what you believe that's good it's reaffirmed what you believe whereas now they're basically trying to give people one view of everything one view of, of absolutely everything so health science politics just the one the fact that you've got supposedly the most powerful man in the world getting censored on Twitter, I mean, that shows where the power is. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's illegal as far as I'm concerned. And especially in periods like this where most people get their information, particularly most young people get their information from things like Facebook and Twitter, you can't view them as private companies anymore because they're not. They have to be viewed as public utilities and you can't censor a public utility because... Otherwise, you're getting you're skewing what people believe. You're skewing the opportunity that people have to see alternative information, and there's been a war on that for the last five or six years. Hence, why we started Iconic, really, so that you're in control. You're not beholden to a third party going. Actually, I don't like that video. We'll just delete it, mm-hmm. because that's just the precedent that's been going again and again and again. And they've even stepped up now in the last couple of months to try and censor people like us. So, for example, us and then Bitshoot, who are obviously a YouTube alternative. 
the media regulator here in the UK, Ofcom, only used to regulate broadcast. Now they've been given powers to regulate internet content. So that's basically a prerequisite. I've had a letter from them this week, for example, saying that we need to sign up and register under their guidance and so on, which is basically them saying, you're going to come under our jurisdiction. So if you do something we don't like, we have the right to go take that video down, don't like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd have no, no plans to, to cave to them, them, those sort of people. If it was that easy, we wouldn't have started the channel. But that's that's clearly where they're going. They don't even want the alternative platforms now. Forget an alternative video on YouTube. They don't want the platforms, which is, I think, a positive sign for people like us because it shows that they're clearly scared. You know, you're not going to try and censor information unless it worries you. Um, so at the moment, one of the biggest censored arenas for me is the vaccination area. So we're making a film at the moment on that. Um, and one thing I wanted to do, and I have tried, but obviously everyone refuses from one side, is to organise basically a massive debate where you have like the top five scientists on one side, the top five on the other, and just have a debate on the science. Be but they won't do it. But my attitude towards that is why? Mm-hmm. Because they claim that they're right, so that the pro-vaxxers claim their argument is right, and they claim people like you know Sherry Tempany, Rashid Batar, Kaufman, you know Mikovits, um Andrew Wakefield they're all dangerous okay but they've got big followings so why don't you have a debate with them destroy them mm-hmm. you win the argument and they're finished yeah why don't you do that mm-hmm. they won't not. It's, it's like calling out a guy for a fight and going yeah, yeah but I won't fight you yeah. just you just do it wouldn't you yeah. but the fact that they won't shows that they're clearly terrified of losing that argument and if they lose that argument then that's done so as we've seen with Covid as we've seen with 9-11 as we've seen with loads of conspiracies over the years if you can't win the argument, don't have it. Just censor the other side, which is what they've done. Mm-hmm. And they'll continue to do if we allow it. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on, on, on all that as well. And I kind of feel like I was just trying to analyse something in my head there because what, what came up in my head was it seems like I was trying to find a positive in, in censorship. I know it's hard to find, try and find a, sen- a positive because yeah. you know I'm, I've been in the back end of it as well, had conversations tucked down. And it does, for, for me as well, I, I kind of feel it, it, it's quite disheartening because for me, I'm, you know, I'm traveling around, I'll class myself as a normal person, and I'm traveling around, putting lots of time and effort into Because for me, this is, a, this is a form of creativity. For me, it allows me yeah. to express my thoughts and practice with the microphones, crack my creativity in editing and editing and stuff like that. And, and it's kind of like, you know, by taking... My, one of my podcasts down it's not only just like taking down one of my podcasts you're taking a, a, a big part of me down as well at yeah. the same time but I was trying to find a positive in it and I was kind of feeling like the positive I was trying to see in my mind was maybe like sort of the reshuffling of, of ourselves having to like try and you know we're trying to like we're shoring up how can we make ourselves more solid as human beings yep. because that goes for in life as well you know you can this whole conversation which a lot of people don't talk about is that is, is the, the power play in all of this and the, the biggest power dynamic that plays out is that if you are dependent upon systems of outside yourself you can't be in a position where you can you can go like um go against that yeah so for example um you know where's the power now where how we grow our foods you know yeah, where we get our water from um, what we rely upon in terms of friendship and family and things like that, and and then obviously and then you can take that back to the internet. And if you if you're putting your podcast on a platform, and you, again that's you taking it out of your own hands. But if we can like sure it up with like the positive I'm trying to find and, and find niches where they are independent platforms, maybe they're they're operating on sort of a kind of like you know like a, um, a decentralized system that that isn't dependent upon anything outside yeah. of ourselves. Maybe from there we can start building it up again. That's one of the big, big positives that's come out of the censorship is the alternative platforms because mm-hmm. it's forced people to do it. 
you've got no choice. Mm-hmm. In the same way that mentioned food, if food shortages, people will be forced to start growing their own food. They'll be forced to start learning how to do that, which we view, like most people view as kind of old, no, you don't need to do that. Why would you do that? That's, that's what they did in the 60s, you know, 1600s. Yeah. That's what the Amish do. Why do we need to do that? Whereas that's taking control. It's taking control of your own life. Which you know used to be considered a sign of strength. You know, the old sort of old school masculine idea of you provide for your family, you take care of that of providing for them. Now it's you know you can go to Tesco now and they could have everything off the shelves. And what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. What you're going to go to Sainsbury's? What if they're the same? You've got no control. Whereas I think it's really important that we. I'm sounding like a hypocrite because I don't do any of this. Yeah, not the same, same <laughs> with me, but it's, it's good to recognise all things. Because, for example, for my journey, is, is you know you have to recognise it first. You have to recognise your things that you need to work on yeah. before you can solve them, you know? Yeah, you do. You do. And I think, first, yeah, as you say, the first kind of way of solving any problem is realising there is one. Mm-hmm. And we've given up control to psychopaths, really. So, as you mentioned, when you put a video on a platform, if that platform's owned by the wrong kind of person, which all the major ones are, they're always going to be in control. Mm-hmm. Same way, who owns the food chain? Who owns the water? Like the Nestle guy that owns a massive percentage of the world's water says water isn't a birthright. I mean, when people like that are controlling your water supply, that should terrify you. Slightly. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I think that's one thing that this this COVID thing has done to an extent. I think they're talking about the Great Reset and the Build Back Better and all those hashtags and three liners. Whereas I think we can reverse that and we can make it a Great Reset, but in a positive way, where. I don't want it to go back to how it was in January because it still wasn't right. There were still homeless people on the street. There were still people starving in the world. There was still illness that didn't need to happen. There was people dying that don't need to die. So I don't want to go back to how it was in January. Let's reset it and go back to what... Well, let's go to a place that we've probably never been to before Mm -hmm. where no one's left behind. Everyone is taken care of and we work together. And we don't work together to benefit 1% of people. We work together to benefit everyone because that's never happened before. You know, there's always been fault lines between... Demographics, whether it be of race, sex, age, whatever. Yeah, Whereas now, as I said right at the start, is this affects everyone. Even if you're a billionaire, you've not been affected by this. You sat in your mansion, you still can't go to the pub, you still can't go out for dinner. It's all those, even that sounds really trivial, but it is affecting everyone. And I think, as we saw in this country, with like the poll tax, remember that that obviously affected both working class and the middle class. That's why it got abolished because that was that unity between demographics that normally wouldn't care about each other. And I think we're going to see that here. And I think this is going to be a strange one, the way that this plays out for me. I don't think it's going to be a quick fix, but I don't think it's going to be slow either. What I think will happen is it will change overnight in the sense of I think there's probably a lot of people in this country that think the same way we do but are too scared to say it. But I think once they feel... It's that whole no one wants to be the first one over the top. Yeah, definitely. I think once enough people start to come out, you'll start to see a massive group of the population go, actually, I agree. And I've thought it since March, but I didn't want to say it. And then, you know, you get, what, we 62 million? You get 5 million people to go, no, the country changes. That's all it needs. It doesn't need any more than that. Um, because the, tar- the percentage of people that are trying to do this is so small. The police stand down. That changes. Yeah, no. Well, that was obviously that was um, that was came forward as well when you when you did the I was at the, the protest in um, London it was yeah Trafalgar the, the Square. police in Trafalgar Square the police got pushed back you know yeah. I kind of feel like a lot of the police officers who, like stories that I've heard is that they don't even want to be involved in it themselves but they're in that position again where you know throughout our lives we give so much of our power away in the in the throughout all our lives that these policemen have also got family they've got families yeah. they've got bills they have to pay as well within the current system and it's kind of like. I feel I do feel like there's a there's a lot more people than I mean you'll know this that there's a lot more people who are waking up because you know it seems like the media is 
as portraying this image of that there's, there's only one reality going on yeah but then underneath you've got this other reality that's that is it's it's sort of roaring you know because when i have conversations with even for example my grandma like my grandma's someone who she watches the news all the time but even she knows like the whole thing is there's something up she yeah. knows it's not r- not right and she's even now slowly started to to now meet her friends and go and, and go yeah. to her friends houses and things like that well you you mean you can't leave your house and not think something's not right mm-hmm. like a mate of mine earlier in the year said i want to see a dead body in the street every time i leave my house that's how extreme the measures yeah. are that's what i want to see to justify this that's the kind of reality don't. they're pulling out though yeah it is you know? i mean this week when they put, announced the lockdown they say about ice rinks are going to be used for morgues i mean well they weren't in march so why would they be now they haven't anywhere else in the world where you just australia where it's just been the winter yeah. where it should be really bad nothing um so yeah it's just propaganda did just you see absolute propaganda. Did you see the, uh, the COVID testing centres? The, there was a guy on Facebook went around, he went and visited all the COVID testing centres. Right. All completely empty. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Went around the whole country. That's the whole <laughs> thing about going to film your test centre. I don't even know where our nearest one is here mm-hmm. in Derby. Um, but yeah, it's just, it doesn't make any sense when you look at it. But that's why the media have to be so kind of bang, bang, bang on there's only one narrative. Because if they start to question it, which, to be fair, a couple of the newspapers are, Daily Telegraph, for example, Daily Mail has been a couple of stories in the last... Um, the last couple of weeks I'm sure that's just probably to keep their kind of further right Tory demographic of readers semi happy mm-hmm. but the BBC have been the worst of all BBC Piers Morgan people like that they've just pounded out the same thing when they must know by now what they're doing is wrong you know even on a presenter level you have an auto cue to read you know it's biased yeah, you, you know what you read is wrong you know that's that's the problem and I think the media try and portray this one reality as you say and particularly the older demographic generally only watch BBC or they watch the news that's where they're getting their narrative from and they won't believe anything that isn't on there so the information that we're talking about it'll be like no no I can't believe I won't believe that it's not on the BBC when you know it's n- the thing is this 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 area at the moment it's not just people like us talking about it's actually doctors it's scientists it's physicians it's people that you would consider credible yeah. to, to have a, an opinion on this it's immunologists it's epidemiologists it's people like that and they're still not getting the airtime which you've got to admit even if you're not a conspiracy theorist you've got to say isn't right yeah. both sides should have equal airtime and if one argument is better than the other then that's what wins but we've seen the press conference the other day with Witty and Valance talking about these stats which they've now admitted were massively inflated mm. but we're still in lockdown yeah, no. so it's not like they've gone oh yeah we inflated the stats so we'll open everything up again because we messed up it's oh we messed up but still do what we said and there's no one's doing anything no one's doing anything it's bizarre absolutely bizarre it's kind of interesting because what you're saying there is, is like you know I think a lot of people understand that there isn't there's a sort of an element of this that's playing out that is like you said the date is being swayed and stuff like that and people are going outside they know that there's not dead bodies on the floor they know that yeah. there's been very limited cases that we know of anyway and um, it's kind of I mean, it must ring alarm bells in people's minds that there must be sort of, sort of some hidden agenda to this. And I was going to actually ask you, what are your thoughts? Do you feel that there could be some, maybe some hidden agendas? Because, you know, for example, this has been coming for, for the last few years. You know, we've got more cameras on the streets everywhere, yeah. tracking systems on your phone. I mean, even the other day there was, a, uh, there was an update on one of the iPhones that had like a, in the hidden, in the, in the small print, it said like a COVID tracker was already be put on your phone. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm-hmm. I totally think this is part of something more sinister. So on an economic level, this is going to bring a lot of people from a level that they would consider okay. You know, they've got enough money to look after themselves. They're going to now not. So that brings. So when people are in a position of being vulnerable, as you are, if you're dependent, state can do what they want. 
Um, it's breaking up relationships. It's breaking up. It's breaking people's spirit. That's how it kind of feels. It's everything that's been done since March designed to break you. Whatever your level is, whatever your interest is, it's designed to break you. If your interest is, I got a job. I don't earn much money, but I go and watch Derby County on a Saturday, mm-hmm. and I go and have a few beers. Can't do that now. If it's I've got a load of money and I go on these holidays, can't do that anymore. I'll just take my kids to you know I, I can't do that anymore. All of it's designed to break people, I think, and I think that is to bring in a new system which they want to do is they're kind of basically they're basically telling you now with the the great reset and uh, an Aussie politician the other day when he was talking about the new normal accidentally said oh this new world order said that in a live press okay, conference and then corrected himself very quickly they're telling you telling you what they're doing and I think all of it is designed to bring in a new system where there's probably a universal basic income people are a lot more dependent on the system for their food for their water for anything that allows them to survive and <coughs> sorry if they if you step out of line you don't get that so there's that there's that increased control and that idea of independent businesses small companies being able to do what you're doing go around film being able to do what I'm doing start your own company no not allowed can't do that because it's just impossible so we've seen in the last decade alone the amount of red tape that's put on small businesses that corporations don't have <coughs> sorry one sec oh that's like stone cold now that's horrible <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the corporations don't have you know I think we pay more in tax than Amazon do yeah. for goodness yeah, sake you know you, you've seen that <laughs> and it's just made made it much harder for people to be in control and you were saying a couple of questions ago about being in control of your own food and control of mm-hmm. your own everything all this has done economically is it's given people even less control than they had before on their income mm-hmm. basically so furlough what's furlough done how many people that are on furlough schemes won't actually have a job to go back to it's just bought them time mm-hmm. so by the time it gets to March I think which they've, they've extended it to now they're going to be a year without a job but getting the money so they're not going to complain too much because mm-hmm. you sat at home on 80% of the money and I think it's just a very very dangerous precedent because as we said earlier with the kids where are the kids going to work because where are the adults now going to work when all this comes around mm-hmm. um, you know it's been there's been a huge deletion of jobs even before this with the increase in technology and just things like checkouts with all the self-service stuff i think it was something like six million people work in this country alone on checkout so where what are they going to do for work when it's all the mm-hmm. self-service ones you know on top of that all of this which is just going to destroy so the hospitality industry basically dead pretty much um those that survive will barely survive I mean, we've seen big companies, big chains, Green King, people like that go, Chiquitos, mm-hmm. Frankie and Benny's go bankrupt. Yeah, definitely. So that's that's going to set another dangerous precedent. And I think we're, we're at a point where, I mean, in America alone, people are, there was a statistic I was reading last week about teenagers that have given up on any kind of future. So you're going to have that narrative where people are just going to be more accepting of this new system. I think that even ties into probably the selection we've seen last week because it's just going to disenfranchise people with politics so much. You know, if Trump goes to the Supreme Court and it's shown there was fraud, that questions the entire system that America claims to base itself on. So again, they're going to be more likely to accept a new system mm-hmm. of you know appointed officials of no democracy of you know a universal basic income because they're just tired. Mm-hmm. They're just tired of it, and that's what I feel this whole COVID thing's about. It's about breaking people's spirit. It's, it's interesting when you said about being tired there, because one of the dynamics that I've seen playing out, I was, I've, like a lot of my friends have got trades and stuff like that, and. Um, for people who in other countries who don't know that that is that sort of like building trades, you know, like your plasters, yeah. plumbers, people like that. 
in this kind of dynamic there's a lot of my friends who you know they're aware of the big agendas that go, on, that go playing out in the world from many different levels that we've been subjected to as a young child but they kind of like you know it's when you're born into the system it's kind of hard to like find you navigate your way through it and it make your own income and you've got to like it sometimes you've as a human being you've got to sort of appeal to sometimes to them things just to get by in this world that yeah. we're in and i kind of feel like because with that um you know like how tradesmen and people like that who aren't working now are getting bursaries and stuff like that they're getting like a government grant i kind of feel like there's a weird dynamic playing out because i've noticed this with my friends where they're happy to take the grant because they, they don't like work anyway you know they, they, yeah. they're, they're sick of it but then at the same time i, I kind of think that there's also the government know that but it's kind of with them taking that on it's kind of playing at the agenda that they want to push so i feel like there's a weird dance at the minute where people hate work and they're happy to like sort of lap up these government grants, but at the same time, it's it's feeding into the hands of the government. Yeah, well, it's like you said earlier about thinking long term. Mm-hmm. Very happy to sit on eighty percent now, like in March when the sun was out, and you could sit and have a beer in the garden. You got Netflix and stuff. Yeah, but well, what happens in a year? What happens when that job's gone? What happens when, as you mentioned there, plumbers, plasterers, people like that? What happens when no one's got any money to do anything to their house? So therefore, they're not hiring people like that, mm-hmm. and that bursary doesn't doesn't last very much like I've got a mate who owns a gym in Derby and he was very happy he got given a 10 grand grant in March and I was like this ain't 10 grand ain't a lot when you think about you're going to need that for a year yeah definitely to run a gym to pay your, your rent your rent you still got to pay your rates you've still got to pay you still got to pay your free staff 10 grand's nothing that's two months three months maybe and now he's at the point where he's like yeah actually yeah <laughs> fair point no. and it's um, it's just I think Again, too short term. I think it's very easy to sit, sit and think short term. Yeah, I'll take the money, and I'll just have a few months off work. But the longer this goes on, because this ain't going to end in December the second, as they're saying. It's but they've already the furlong was already yeah, uh, till March. Till March. Why would you do that? Exactly. Why would you do that? <laughs> when given, you well, know, people don't see that though. You know? No, they don't. And you look at it alone and think, okay, second December it ends. Great, right. Well, the hospitality industry, its biggest period is Christmas, so that's got a chance to grow a little bit. I think I think I'd probably be one of them that would go out for Christmas dinner this year to make a point of supporting people. Well, surely why are you fur- extending further then? Because surely you're, you're talking about their biggest period, Christmas, New Year. A lot of businesses are going to thrive. No, they've extended it because they know that's not going to happen, mm-hmm. um, and they know you're going to get to December second and almost certainly extend it, or maybe open it up for a week or two and then whatever again, because. Again, as we were saying earlier, you've mentioned football stadiums and the tradition. Christmas is a massive tradition in this country. Whether you're religious or not, the religion, if you, if, in a sense, of this country has always been Christianity, mm-hmm. which Christmas is its massive festival. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not religious like I'm not, Christmas is massive. It's my little boy's first Christmas. Yeah. It's first Christmas as a parent. It's, it's always a big thing. So if you can destroy that and make that completely different and take all the joy and fun out of that, out of that as they've taken the joy and the fun out of everything else, you've then got that to hold as a bargaining chip next year when you release your vaccine which is look if we want to have a normal Christmas and we don't want it like last year mm-hmm. this is what you've got to do do you find kind of feel that's what's coming because I wanted to ask you about the, the vaccine perspective because kind of you know you've got because every single time that you look at the news I don't try, try to not watch the news but it's times I try to dip in just to see what what's what, going, what, what's on, going yeah. on well, what it, they want you to think yeah what the one you think's going on yeah definitely that's a good point I like that um, but it kind of seems like there's every single time there's a um, speaking about covid and talking about these stats and stuff you'll, there'll be like an ad talking about some sort of vaccine yeah. vaccine or or they'll even be like sort of a, um, a doctor that'll come in you know if he's like little suit on and with all yeah. these badges on and stuff saying look at me i'm a doctor you've got to yeah. listen to what i say yeah and it's kind of like every single time you talk about covid there's also the talk of vaccination creeps in afterwards yeah it does because that's their way out mm-hmm. that's their way out that's the, that's the whole point of it covid was the excuse for the vaccine so 
you look at something like flu, flu about 50,000 deaths a year in the UK anyway, and that's with a vaccine. Mm -hmm. So you, people, not that many people are dying of COVID because personally I don't think it exists and they're reclassifying flu and pneumonia deaths and various other deaths that they're just labelling as COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and not that, that many people aren't dying of that without a vaccine, so why do you need one for a start? Just on a purely scientific basis, mm -hmm. there's no evidence that you need a vaccine. Vaccines are also incredibly... You know, up and down whether they even work. Mm -hmm. Flu vaccine supposedly works fifty percent of the time. Billions have been paid out on payments against damages from the flu vaccine alone in America. So, you know, and that, but that's their way out. That they want to vaccinate the population and they want to mandate it and force people to do it. And they probably won't do that initially. But if they don't get an uptake that's high enough of what they consider, then they probably will make it compulsory. They've already discussed it in Australia. Compulsory vaccinations to travel. So obviously, I'm assuming it will be compulsory to go there. You'll have to have to have vaccine. And it's it's dangerous, very dangerous, because vaccinations are a choice. Mm -hmm. So I've not been vaccinated. My son's not been vaccinated, um, and never will be. I can't wait for someone to knock on my door yeah. and tell me I've got to have a COVID yeah, vaccine and go the other side of the street. And vaccines in general, that's why there's, as we said earlier about the censorship, they've almost been getting ready for this. That's why the last decade you've seen the aggressive, aggressive censorship of anything questioning vaccines, mm -hmm. um, because they know that if that happened when they release their vaccine and people are questioning it that's not what they want they want people to just take it and that's why everything you hear about vaccines is all positive at the moment it's all positive at the moment I walked past um, a shop in the next town to me that had a picture of a pregnant mother and it was a, you could they'd kind of done some weird things so you could see inside the womb with a baby and the, it was a it was a vaccine thing that went this jab's for you baby or something like that it made me sick yeah. and it was about the flu vaccine and it literally made me want to, <laughs> made me want to go in there and lose my shit really yeah. Um, and but that's what they try to do. They've done the same with the masks, where they're making it's not about your health; it's about protecting someone else. Yeah, and they'll do the that. same with the vaccine, almost certainly. Don't get vaccinated for yourself; get vaccinated to protect your grandma. And it's all put in that emotional guilt, basically. And you're going to see a historic, probably level of propaganda when the vaccine comes out for the fact that you've got to have it. You've got to have it. When look at even if you even if you agree with vaccines, look at how long it took to develop a flu vaccine compared to a coronavirus vaccine of which there isn't any and there's thousands of types of coronaviruses mm -hmm. and there's not they've never made a successful one because when they have tried to make it the vaccine itself hasn't necessarily caused harm but when you're then exposed to live virus again it's come back 10 times worse yeah. so vaccines for coronavirus in the past that they've tried to test actually had the reverse effect to what they claim you know a vaccine should do and there's still very sketchy science on whether you know vaccines can even work yeah. whether they're safe or dangerous or whatever's in them whether the concept can work mm -hmm. because you know you inject somebody they make some antibodies there's no proof the antibodies they've made will resonate with the virus they just made antibodies yeah. could have made antibodies to anything so the fact that they want to mandate that is lethal and I think anyone that thinks that's a good idea needs to have a long hard look in the mirror really no definitely do you, do you what's your thoughts around that because you know from an ecological perspective it's like it's clear to see that a lot of money can be made out of vaccines and oh, stuff billions. like that but do you think it is it just that or is it or is the other agendas because you know like i know um there's a lot of conspiracies going around talking about nanotechnology and things like that yeah and it's clear to see the way you know the world is slowly starting to go on that way where they want to create like a, a biomedical state where everything's you, you know you're not like you're not in tune with your own senses of your own body and stuff like that. You, you depend upon things outside you to give you the answer of what pill you need to take or things yeah. like that and kind of le lean towards that way anyway. Yeah, the def that's definitely an angle, the technology side of it, absolutely. I think another angle is to do with um, reproduction. I think there's talk of, you know, sterilisation. I mean, you, you talk to people of our parents' age, 
Had they ever heard of a fertility cl- clinic, for example? Not really, because they didn't exist, because it wasn't a problem. Yet we've seen the last, you know, 25 years, it's become more and more difficult. Lots of people are having problems having kids. There's so many factors to that, technology being one, uh, the environment being one, your food being one, and so on. And um, they talk about wanting to control population. What better way to do it than put something in a vaccine that you make everybody have that makes you sterile, mm-hmm. or at least contributes to that. And certainly, mm-hmm. you know, if, you, if they say you're going to have to have two doses, then you have to have a new one each year, like they do with the flu. Time and time again, that's going to just make that worse and worse and worse and worse. And eventually, more people are going to have problems. Even more people are going to have problems having kids. You might even be gone away with natural reproduction, which Aldous Huxley talked about in Brave New World. Um, and I think that's certainly a factor. Certainly a factor. I think... It's very difficult to, to know what's in the vaccine until they put it out because they've obviously been very, very secretive about it. Mm-hmm. But my kind of attitude towards it is this, is um, I went to a gig once where you got like a wristband when you went in mm-hmm. and nothing happened. And then when they were playing this particular song, everyone's wristband lit up at the same time. So like the crowd looked amazing. I think possibly something like that with a vaccine where you might take the vaccine, you won't have a side effect and it'll be fine. Because if they put out a vaccine and 1,000 people die of the first 10,000, no one else is going to have it. Mm-hmm. so why would they do that so I think it'll be possibly that kind of level where once they've got to a level where they think enough people have had it whatever right. is in that vaccine if it is a type of technology that you can obviously then control um, they just switch it on and it starts to cause an impact that's that's yeah, that's my opinion mm-hmm. I think it's an idea I'm not saying that's what it is but I'm saying that's a possibility yeah. I think because I think because there's so much attention on the vaccine I think if as soon as one person dies of it then you're going to start seeing people going on a minute. So I don't think they can go down that angle of this kind of mass, complete depopulation by just giving everyone a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Unless you vaccinate the planet at the same time, mm-hmm. you could pull that off. But I don't think you can the way that they want to do it. And there's so much tension on it that I think they have to do it a different way and potentially cumulatively. I kind of feel like they could be, because like you, know, you said, I kind of feel like to get to that position as well, there may be like a... I think there's going to be a lot of pressure. That's where I think it's going to come. You know, there's going to be a lot of pressure from every single angle, and that's oh, why is. the self-dependency is already in that place now. Yeah. Where the, if you, you know, you can see that, like you said before, people are losing the jobs and stuff like that, so they're coming more dependent upon the state. And when you're more dependent on the state, you're in a position where you, you know, if a vaccine does come along, they say, well, we'll take your money away if you don't have a vaccine. Yeah, well, they do that in Australia with yeah, kids. You don't exactly. get kid benefits unless you haven't vaccinated. Mad enough. It's been the case for a decade there. But it kind of like feels like that could be the next step, you know, here where... Because I know there's a huge collective amount of people who are saying, nah, I'm not going to have it. But there's a difference between saying you're not going to have it and between taking actually action in life to show yourself up so you're in a position where yep. you can. Because see if your family's starving, you know, and the and they turn around and say, well, you need this vaccination to be allowed in the supermarket or you need this vaccination to go to work. I think it kind of... They're going to get a lot of people there, you know? Yeah, they will, massively. The mm-hmm. work one's a big thing. The Netflix CEO, I think it was, came out and said... Um, that he, he wants the right to fire any staff who refuse to have it. Well, that story came out. I laughed downstairs with my team and I said, I'll fire anyone that has it. Yeah, I like that. That's good. <laughs> and it's like, um, yeah, I think that they'll try and make that as difficult as possible. Probably the easiest one will be travel. Mm-hmm. You know, people love going on holidays and, and so on. They'll try and make that as difficult as possible. But if you haven't been vaccinated, yeah, going out for dinner, going to the pub, yeah. And obviously the longer that... It all comes down to... Um, it all comes down to acceptance. If everyone accepts the vaccine, they won't do any of that because mm-hmm. they won't need to. Mm-hmm. So that's possibly for me a reason why Sweden has stayed open because they've still got they've already got implants in people they've already got one of the most cashless societies in Europe they've already got one of the most highly surveillance societies in Europe they don't really need to push that much of this agenda because a lot of it's already pushed there so that's not not again gospel but I think that's possibly a factor interesting um, 
And I think, yeah, if people refuse to accept it, that's when they'll start bringing in, right, you can't do this, right, you can't do that, right, you can't... Again, just to make people tired and weary and break you down so you go, all right, I don't want it, but it's like wearing a mask. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it without confrontation. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to have a vaccine, but I want to go on holiday, so I will have one. It's breaking it down, so it's just making your life as difficult as possible Mm -hmm. if you don't do what they tell you to do. And that's where we've got to be strong. Yeah, definitely. And we've got to accept the fact that we're in control of our future not them because if you're going to accept something that you don't believe is right to matter for an easy life where's that line end where does that line end so if you said to somebody now if someone knocked on the door and said I'm taking your kids away because it's state decides mm-hmm. would you accept that you'd say no but so where you have a line then so where is your line and I think for me your line should be doing anything that you don't believe is right me too definitely and I think as well what, this is what I keep trying to express as well but to go a little bit deeper as well the way that the work that I've done and the levels of, of my own self that I've tuned into I know that this th- experiences that I've had with like psychedelics and things like that understand that this place is not what you think anyway so if you yeah. subjectively put your energy in a, in a position where you think you know I'm going to put my energy and power into this like you know for example I'm going to wear a mask or I'm going to have a vaccination you're telling the universe that this is a reality that I want to actually manufacture and, yeah. and create you know and it's kind of it's kind of like it's kind of deep but as when you were saying before i want to touch on it's kind of like ever who's pulling the strings you know behind this agenda kind of feels like they have to do something in a way where they allow you you know they, they can't do it here without you knowing that's like yeah. they've got to put it in plain sight for you to make your own conscious decisions to buy into what they, the reality that they want to perceive yep i completely agree and that's why they do tell you what they're doing but they do it very carefully mm-hmm. so we're making a series in the new year on dentistry and that whole arena and we've got a film on our channel called Root Cause, which is all about all about that kind of area. And all the doctors in it were supposedly discredited. But then one of our researchers, a call we were just before you came, was saying, but I've just been on the NHS website and I found the exact thing that they're talking about in the film. They admit that is what happens. Mm-hmm. But then they're also saying the doctors talk about it are discredited. So it's they do tell you in the same way that, I don't know if you remember, in March, just before the lockdown, they actually released on the government website that they downgraded COVID from being a highly infectious disease. Oh, and then the change and then the two days later they're the lockdown so it's like we are telling you I've always thought this I've said this to people over the years it almost feels when you look at all the kind of things that we would call conspiracies you know 9-11 JFK all those sort of things Mm. it's almost like they're going look we're showing you how stupid are you that you still can't see it we're literally putting it in your face and you can't see we're telling you there's a magic bullet and no one in large numbers has gone no that doesn't add Mm. up I think, and uh, yeah, that possibly ties into what you said, that they've got to tell you what they're doing before they do it. It's almost like you're, them telling you by however they're doing it and you're not doing anything, that's you agreeing. Mm-hmm. That's your acquiescence. Yeah. That's you saying, yeah, all right. You know. So, someone said to me as well, made a really good point. Uh, it was a couple of podcasts ago. He says, that in, your, in your acquiescence, it's kind of like, and I think think about this for the last few days. When the guest said it, I never really jumped on it because it was just, you know, when someone, someone says something, yeah, yeah, you yeah, listen back to the podcast and it's in your mind. But he said, what if, like, uh, it's in the acqui- our own acquiescence that they don't get some form of karma because for example like w- when I've done deep work and stuff you know I, I've had my ass kicked so many times like thinking that I'm a good person and, right. and think someone will come in and say you need, you, d- you need to do this right or it'll, you know it can even go like the past lives and things like that things that you need to work on in your life and I kind of feel like these elites that run the planet you know they you know, it, it's clear, it's plain sight that they have been sort of a, a tail into some sort of esoteric teachings for a long time, yeah. you know, with the rituals and um, symbolism. bohemian growth symbolism, stuff like that. And I kind of feel like, what if they know that, 
like because they have to put it in plain sight for you to acquiesce yourself so that they don't take on like sort of some form of karma or something possibly yeah possibly it's um it's that whole kind of asking somebody before you do something horrible mm. to them that acceptance they haven't said no so therefore you know they've agreed to it yeah it's possibly that that's some kind of dark occult rituals that you have to agree to yeah, definitely. whatever before they'll do it so yeah I think that's possibly a factor what, what do you um, feel about the, the 5G topics I know you did the, your documentary what was the documentary called again uh, Unnatural Unnatural yeah Yeah. what's your thoughts around the, the 5G conversation what in relation in general or relation yeah. to Covid in not to, not to Covid just in, in kind of because I think I think I, this is my perspective on, on 5G I'll just tell you what I feel like is sort of why, why it's getting messed up sort of say is because I feel like 5G should stand as a conversation by itself. Yeah. I kind of feel like when people start putting it with COVID, yeah. st- people dismiss it very yeah, fast because, um, you know, this people are saying like, oh, COVID's because of 5G. But I kind of feel if you just take 5G by itself and analyze it, it um, it stands, uh, you know, the information that, that when you research it stands very much stronger just by itself. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, well, the whole concept of unnatural was to highlight, because obviously 5G is a big topic, mm-hmm. it's very discussed at the moment was to highlight actually 5G's okay let's let's leave that there for a minute let's look at the impacts of GSM 3G 4G Wi-Fi what we have now because mm. if you can show what you have now is dangerous then you don't really need to talk about 5G to an extent because that's more powerful than what you have now so if you're showing what you have now is lethal then but the problem is with these sorts of technologies the same with so many things that we've seen through the medical industry over the years it takes a period of time to see the effects of them mm. so you know when uh, Wi-Fi first came out and you know 2G, 3G and so on there wasn't really the impacts whereas now you're physically starting to see the impacts of these technologies and the effects they're having on the development of kids the effect they're having on uh, birth defects pregnant women in general um, and and also you know brain cancers in the elderly and so on it's, it's really obvious that there's a problem with the frequencies that we have available now really obvious um, and all they do is there's an organisation called ICNERP which are the ones that supposedly regulate the level of radiation that you're allowed and they do is just every time a new technology comes out they double oh, whatever yeah. so that's what they've done with 5G so they've doubled the sorry no they've doubled the uh, frequencies we're allowed to be exposed to at the current level and they put it up tenfold for 5G I mean there's absolutely no evidence that that's safe none whatsoever um, so part of the things we did in the film is that the frequency range that that all those mobile frequencies and radio frequencies go in used to be called the cosmic quiet space there was basically no radiation on earth in those frequency bands about 150 years ago now there's um something 10 to the power of so 10 with 18 zeros on it times more radiation in that uh, that area than there was 150 years ago and there's no evidence to show that's safe and the attitude that we've applied to the technology area and the film does is the same attitude towards the smoking industry so the smoking industry denied for years there was a problem until it got to the point where you couldn't deny it anymore mm-hmm. and I think we'll see the same with um, technology because smoking you don't smoke a cigarette and die you get your issues with cigarettes for smoking them for 10, 15, 20, 25 years same with technology you know unless you literally get a nuclear radiation you're not you're not going to have a, a cancer from one phone conversation but one phone conversation a day for 10 years, there's no evidence to show that's safe. And I think my attitude towards everything is, it's not same with the, the COVID situation, it's not on me to prove it, it doesn't exist, or in the same way it's not on me to prove your technology is dangerous, it's on you to prove it's safe, especially if you're gonna roll it out around the world, where you're gonna have the people that are susceptible, you're gonna have pregnant women, you're gonna have children, you're gonna have elderly, you're gonna have people that are immune compromised, you're gonna have all these people that are living in the same environment, 
Whereas at the moment, to an extent, you can go and live in the country, you can escape it. Once they put 5G in for all the satellites, you don't really go anywhere on the earth where you can't, where you can escape mm. that frequency range, whether you're in a city, whether you're in the country, whether you're in your car, wherever. And that's a lethal precedent. And the fact that no work has been done to show it's safe. And their whole argument when they're questioned is there's no evidence it's dangerous. So, yeah, okay, there's no evidence it's safe either. And that is your job. And the jobs of the governments are to hold those companies to account to ensure that what they're doing is safe. But all they see, because generally politicians are only in for six, ten, twelve years, mm. they're not going to be in office when you know thousands of people are dying of brain cancers mm. and having issues with mental health, having issues with birth deformities in thirty years' time. They're not in office. Johnson's not in office, is he? Mm. He sat on his nice well, probably be dead to be fair him, but yeah. <laughs> sat on their they're sat in their yacht on their nice sipping their champagne, enjoying their retirement. You know, they're not the people that are going to be there to justify what's happened. So that's why. They're looking at the pound signs now. They're looking at the big spectrum license fees that the tech companies are going to pay. They're looking at the tax payments that they're going to get. They're not looking at the health of the population. They're, they're putting tech companies' interests over it. And the fact that, similar to the vaccine thing that we've spoken about, there's a lot of scientists, hundreds and thousands of scientists, that talk about the dangers of technology and prove it on a scientific basis, mm -hmm. as we did in our film. We had two of the top scientists in the world, a guy called Alistair um, Phillips and a, a French doctor called Annie Sasko. She used to be a Harvard lecturer. She's one of the most credible scientists in the world to talk about this technology. And um, they highlight how lethal it is and they can prove it scientifically, but they're not interested. They're not interested at all. I mean, one of the guys we had in the film, a German doctor called Klaus Buschner, who's actually a member of the European Parliament. We actually went and filmed, ironically, we went and filmed with him at Brussels the day we left the EU. Oh, yeah. So we saw the flag be taken down as three free English lads going. It was quite funny. <laughs> And um, he, he got involved in politics because he felt that was a way in. He kind of went in naively thinking politics is a way to change it, and he realised very quickly they're not interested. No other politician in that chamber apart from him speaks on these topics. And um, that's where we've got to look and go take, our, take the control back to an extent. I mean, with 5G alone, what if no one buys 5G phones? What if no one did it? Then they're not going to get used, so therefore they're going to have to they're going to have to think about something else because the amount of money they've invested in the 5G infrastructure, they need people to buy them. So what if everyone just went, no, I don't want a 5G phone. That would be something that you could do to counteract yeah. it because your governments are not going to agree with you. Mm -hmm. They're not because they're looking at the pound signs. So 5G for me is, again, cumulatively, le cumulatively lethal because there's no evidence to show it's safe. And as I said earlier, if there's an argument you can't win, you don't have the argument. And the fact they've not tested it is a big red flag for me. Because if it was safe, you test it, you show it's safe, you shut all the conspiracy theorists up. But the fact they haven't shows they've almost certainly got something to hide. Yeah, definitely. It did interest to me that you, you're not, not even having the conversation. You know, if you're going to implement something, you need to put in safety yeah. measures to actually just analyse it. You exactly. know, to say that here's the data. Um, I wanted to ask you as well. I know you were talking about some of the uh, ways of combating uh, 5G, of how like we can not take our own sovereignty in our own lives. Yeah. I wanted to sort of ask you a question. Um, around that theme of how we can how we can do that because i know that obviously it's been it's it's all over the media and, uh, and facebook and stuff like that you've used uh, you and your dad david ike um have been you know you've been protest uh, there have been protests yeah. and stuff where a lot of people have been coming together and protesting covid how, what do you i know i know that's only obviously one part of the conversation but do you feel there's any other solutions that maybe people can do in their own lives or maybe how do we because it is quite hard to like think what is the solution you know is the solution protesting is there many forms to this conversation i'll just look yeah. to see what you think about that i think the protesting is i mean historically protesting never really has solved too much mm -hmm. i think what what the protesting is about for me is it's highlighting obviously it got in the mainstream media they slagged us off but whatever it 
it highlights, I think, to other people in the country that weren't there that maybe think the same, that you're not the only one. I think that's where the protest... And I also think there's something really nice about thousands of people surrounding each other that believe the same thing, that unity. And I suppose for a lot of people in the protest, they just wanted to see other people. <laughs> they just wanted yeah, to be around no, people. No, definitely, definitely. You know, they wanted to hug people. They wanted to shake people's hands. They wanted to, you know, have that as it kind of used to be. So that's a massive factor. And also makes you feel like you're doing something, which is, is really nice. Um, but for me, I think it's got to come down. I think we all we look too big sometimes. I think it's if we take break it down to a small, a small thing. So break it down to your house. That's the only thing that. Like I said this to my wife when this first started. I said, because uh, obviously you know having a new baby, things are a bit stressful. You are getting a little bit. She won't like me saying that. I'll get a little bit. And I said to her like, with everything that's going on at the moment, with so many things out of our control. But what happens in this house is me and you are in control of it. So we've got to make sure this house is our sanctuary, effectively. So. I would break it down to your own house. So as you mentioned earlier, take control of your food, take control of your water supply, take control of everything that you can control. You can't control, you know, on the surface, can't control what Johnson's going to announce tonight, but you can control what food you're eating, you can control whether you exercise, you control all those positive things that you can make an impact on your life. Think about everyone in your street, if they all did the same thing, you can make that positive decision to think, I don't want to wear a mask, so I'm not going to do it. And then, you know, you break you, that, that, that gets slightly bigger. You break that down to a town, right? Every business in that town, when the lockdown was announced, the pubs, three pubs, no, I'm not going to shut. I'm not going to shut, and we're going to support each other. Hair salon's not going to shut. The shop's not going to shut. Okay, so the police come. Okay, what are they going to do? They're going to try and shut that place down. But what if the next village are doing the same thing? And the next village are doing the same thing? And then collectively, you've got a whole city that's gone, I'm not locking down. There's not enough police, there's not enough military, there's not mm. enough people to, to shut those businesses and to keep those people suppressed. Mm. That's where, like some of the videos I was sent from the Million Mask March the other night in London, the amount of police officers that were blocking the protesters was probably one police officer to every 500 protesters. So that's where the power is. Um, and I think it's just a case of saying no. I think we have a lot more control than we think we do. If everyone in this city, Derby's got about 300,000 people, I think, if everyone in this city stopped wearing masks, everyone opened their shops, everyone opened their pubs, there's not enough police in this city to shut that down. And this is an irrelevant city. Yeah. No one probably watching this anywhere else in the world has probably heard of Derby. They probably yeah. pronounce it Derby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Derby. It's, um, that, that shows where the power is. The power is with us. Mm. And I think we've been taught and we've been shown so many times through the education system, the media and so on, that we have no power. But together we do. Together we do. There was a, a great. I ended a speech I did in Nottingham actually with this thing. There's a great film that you probably remember from us growing up. Kids would have been A Bug's Life. Oh yeah. yeah. Do you remember the scene when the um, yeah, grasshopper is talking to the rest of his team yeah. and he says about you know the ants obviously they suppress when they're like oh one stood up to you what's that matter and he's like well if one stands up they might all stand up and they outnumber us a hundred to one when they figure that out there goes our way of life. I think it's the same principle. We outnumber the. The the the, gen the absolute core of people that are trying to manipulate us, we probably outnumber them 50, 60 million to one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have the power. Um, I think we've been taught our whole lives that we don't. I think that's a big thing, taking back our power, taking control of your own food, taking control of your own perceptions, rather than looking at the news, rather than listening to even people like us and going, oh, I agree with what they're saying. Sit down and go, what do you, what do you actually think? Mm -hmm. What's your opinion on something? I think most people probably go through their whole lives without really thinking anything original. Perfect. All good. We'll just leave it there. We'll All right. Do that. Yeah, cool. Really nice cool. one. Really yeah. nice, mate. Really good. Good to chat. Really class. Thanks for driving down. Yeah, I love that. Thanks so much for checking out that podcast conversation there with Jamie Ike. Next week on the podcast, I have a conversation I did with Clara. And also, Laura comes in on this podcast as well. It really is a cool conversation. So keep an eye out for that next week sometime. 
Also have some other big podcasts planned as well. Lots of interesting stuff to dive into and talk about from many different angles that is going on currently in the world anyway. If you can, guys, as always, check out the one-off donation option and the Patreon page, and it helps support a conscious movement, which is this podcast, which, in my opinion, is very far and few in between in the world right now. So if you can, find it in your heart, check out them too, ways to support the podcast. And if you cannot support the podcast through donation or or any or giving or financial help to the podcast, how about just send a positive thought? Peace out wherever you are in the world. And just to play this conversation out, this one is a song by um i'm just going to get my phone i can't remember the, the exact artist name i always pronounce this wrong but it's a it's a young guy who reached out who actually listens to the podcast as well and i'm also in the future considering getting him on the podcast as well but he's an artist called shoko i think that's how you pronounce it but if you go on spotify or youtube and you type in s h o k o this song is called david ike so it's very um fitting for this podcast and the album is called code of honor so anyway enjoy this song Peace out. I don't fear them one smear because I am more powerful than they are and they freaking know. They talk their shit, don't believe them lies. Face to face, me see my eyes, don't fear no evil on my life. Search a truth like David Hyde. They talk their shit, don't believe them lies. Face to face, me, no fear, no evil. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smoking mirrors, chasing our tails, they plan to win, we can make them fail It's a pyramid scheme, controls at the top and they send commands to the rest of the flock They can bend up rules to reshape the game, but it won't work if we use our brains So don't bend the knee, I will not comply, I have to kill me G before I give my freedom away I'm in training, stay prepared, they're gonna pull some shit soon to make us scared Then I'ma turn up like Ric Flair Gang gang, know my people's there, they won't microchip me, the outlaw living Won't be no slave in a new world prison, got a tax for you and your people there Help your people seek at the evil's head They talk their shit, don't believe them lies Face to face, me see my eyes Don't fear no evil on my life Search the truth like David Icke They talk their shit, don't believe them lies Face to face, me No fear, no evil Yeah, 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 yeah Stay warm, my brothers This is Babylon Where they kill you with guns if you carry one Violate your rights, no ballyon No need to hide, it's martial law When 5G hits, we gon' go to war The hole goes deep and it all gets bigger Pissed off, cause they just killed Black The Ripper didn't stay in his lane Till the target's marked and wiped away Brave were in vain and we all project Hella pain and rage on the 1% We should get together, sooner better Before it all impacts on our lives forever Cause the only way out is through Let's rise up, prepare for war, live righteous It's right in your face, better take off your blinders They talk their shit, don't believe them lies Face to face, me see my eyes Don't fear no evil on my life Search the truth like David I They talk their shit, don't believe them lies Face to face, me No fear, no evil yeah, 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 yeah So I got a new download Information How can I share? Gotta start debating Gotta try to help people see And if not, then it bleeds and sees You know what the saying goes About horses in water mm. As long as you watch the BBC There won't be no change For a world that's free Please note The world's got one control But we think we know So we go and vote For a new front man Who will take the blame For whatever shit Your town's in today But it's all a script I swear down is sick Trying to be ready For it all to flip They won't inject me With a microchip I'll die for this cause But I pray we live I really pray we live They talk their shit Don't believe them lies Face to face Me see my eyes Don't fear no evil On my life Search the truth Like David I They talk their shit Don't believe them lies Face to face Me No fear no evil yeah 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 this cult expresses its power by persuading the target population that it has power its power is in our 
acquiescence to that illusion of power. We now have the chance to break the spell, to break the, um, the mind spell and see behind the curtain. And what we'll find is something that's not powerful at all once we stop acquiescing to it. And that's my, that's where I, well, it's where I want things to go, but it's also where I know things can go.